Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages Florida podcast. In this show we talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs and interesting folks who live here in the villages, to give perspectives of what is happening here in the Villages Florida. We hope to add a new episode most Fridays at 9 a.m. Our host Mike Roth has been a Villages resident since 2017. He is the leader of three lifestyle clubs and created a fourth. Mike joined 20 clubs in the first year he was here in the Villages. Mike is a strong leader. Before coming to the Villages, Mike was a successful business leader and had a successful podcast in Cincinnati called Cincinnati Business Talk. That shows 300 episodes are still available and has over 90,000 listens. Mike is an instructor at the Villages Enrichment Academy, teaching podcasting 101 for beginners. This podcast is a listener-supported podcast. You can become a supporter for as little as $3 per month, or you can choose to pay more. To become a supporter go to openforuminthevillagesflorida.com and click on support in the black box. There will be shoutouts for supporters in episodes. As a supporter, you will get a direct email link to Mike. In our new season 5, we are making significant improvements and changes on an ongoing basis. First is our new and better logo, upgrades in recording equipment to allow easy access for remote guests. Second is a continuing increase in the use of AI in the creation of each episode. These include a transcript of each show. Please understand that there may be errors inserted by the AI that may not be caught before the transcript is published, however, this is a dramatic step forward. In fact, all the show's announcers are now all AI voices, including me, Emily. Open Forum in the Villages, Florida has been publishing new episodes on YouTube for the last several months. If you have a book that you would like to turn into an audiobook, let us know via email to mike at rothvoice.com. Hope you enjoy today's show. This is Mike Roth on Open Forum in the Villages. Welcome to season number five. I'm here today with Dr. William Shanks. I have two books, right? We hope, what's the name of the second book? Well, the, the second book, it has this title called The Thin Pre-Diabetic, which I wish, I, I probably should uh, rewrite the contents in because I was re- thinking about somebody who has a high blood glucose level and they go to their doctor and they, uh, the doctor would say, well, I can put you on metformin or you can lose weight. Oh, you don't need to lose weight, then what do, can they do? But most of the book actually has to do with these plants mm-hmm. that, and other supplements that, that might work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is the easiest way to find it by saying pre-diabetic? Oh, the, 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 the thin pre-diabetic. The thin yeah. pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. Are, are there any other plant-based herbals that you mentioned in the book that are of, of significance? Absolutely. You know, let's talk about fiber, ah. okay? Psyllium husk. Psyllium husk, that's one type of fiber. What is interesting is that there's different types of fiber. There's three different subcategories of fiber. Three different subcategories? Right. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the one that comes to mind is soluble. In other words, it dissolves in water. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, another one is it forms mucus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the third one is that it's edible by our bacteria. In other words, a bacteria will, will digest it. And those three categories... Yeah. Those three categories will help you figure out which fiber is best for you. So how would you do that? How would you do that? These studies have been done. It's is, just it's just not this is actually an American study. It was done by a cereal company. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanted to see whether certain cereals uh, increase GLP one. These are the weight loss drugs we're talking about. Right. So GLP one is the one that like uh Wegovi and uh, Ozempic and all these super expensive drugs. Yeah, $1,000 a month. That's right. 
it's quite a disincentive for most people not to take it. Right. So this cereal company did original research and said, what cereals can we eat that will increase GLP-1? Great. And uh, one of them that was well studied mm-hmm. is whole barley. Whole barley. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you don't whole, see that around too often. Uh, no, you don't see it too often. Uh, you can order it on uh, the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, whole barley will decrease blood sugar, mm-hmm. and it will also decrease triglycerides and LDL. Mm-hmm. So someone who eats more barley is likely to lose some weight? Absolutely. Okay. Especially if you substitute that for rice or starch. Mm-hmm. So in other words, let me back up a little bit. Years ago, there was a study that was done. You know, they did the, the bypass, the, the stomach bypass surgery. Which, oh, yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of them. And when it first came out, uh, one of my clients whose dad was a doctor was making some tremendous claims that it would reverse diabetes if you had the stomach bypass. It, yeah, it was, it was uh, well, those surgeons are really hurting nowadays. So I'll tell you the story. So basically what they do is they take the outlet of the stomach in one of these type surgeries mm-hmm. and they reroute it downstream in the intestines. Mm-hmm. So uh, the... The outflow from the stomach doesn't go to the duodenum. It goes a little further downstream. Now, what was really interesting about this study is that the blood glucose mm-hmm. improved before the person lost weight. And so then it was like, how is this possible? They're supposed to lose weight first, and then blood glucose improves, right? Mm-hmm. But we re- all we did was rerouted the plumbing, and then the blood glucose improved. Mm-hmm. And that was the impetus to discover GLP-1. Mm-hmm. What was happening was when we eat highly processed food, it gets absorbed by the body very quickly. Now, as you know, our intestines is very, very long. Yeah, yeah. That's because we're eating, uh, the, our ancestors ate this diet, which was a lot of roughage. And mm-hmm. it took a long time to digest. What's happening is that when we eat highly processed food, it gets absorbed upstream. Quickly. Quickly. Mm-hmm. All the digestion that's supposed to happen for the entire length is getting very much shortened. And so our body's not producing that much GLP-1. So when they rerouted the intestines, what happened was that segment in conjunction with the bacteria of that neighborhood was cranking out the GLP-1. And therefore, they were uh, improving their blood sugar and they were losing weight. Mm, that makes a strange recommendation for a certain operation. <laughs> right, right. But the good news is that you can do the same thing. You can raise your GLP-1 levels by substituting cold barley, or uh, if you like, if you can only get your hands on the pearl barley, for the standard starches. How much? How much? Uh, so the studies were done with half a cup of, of cooked barley with the meals. Once a day. Uh, so if you had lunch and dinner, yes. for example, you take you take a half cup of this cooked barley before you eat lunch, and same with dinner. Oh, that's interesting. Are you doing that personally? I don't eat rice, uh, because... Well, you said barley is a substitute for rice. That's right. So... Um, I substitute barley for rice. I don't eat rice. Okay. Well, if I went into my nearest Chinese restaurant and said, hey, you know, hold, the, hold the fried rice, mm. give me a cup of barley instead, they're going to look right. at me like I'm nuts, right? Do you know where the fastest growing uh, diabetes population is in the world? Uh, you're going to say China? It is China. It's really? Be- yeah. It's because it wasn't that long ago. It was two generations ago that people started eating processed rice before they ate brown rice or minimally processed rice because they didn't have the machinery to do it. It's right. the processing that removes the husk mm-hmm. that makes it diabetic or causing diabetes. The white rice. The white rice. It's just like processed white flour mm-hmm. versus uh, eating whole grain. Okay. You know, when you talked about the cereal companies creating, trying to create a healthy cereal, I thought for sure you were going to talk about oats. 
there, there's so many uh, cereal companies promoting oats in their cereal, you know, or Quaker oats. Not that there's anything wrong with Quaker oats. Even I have have a, <laughs> a bowl of that once a week or so. Uh, but it, does oats really work as a dietary supplement? They they do actually. I'm glad you brought that up. So oat bran mm-hmm. is in the same category as barley. Barley bran. Mm-hmm. They they have all three characteristics. They're soluble. Mm-hmm. They produce mucus, mm-hmm. and they're fermentable. They're digestible by the bacteria. And so those those two in particular, I think, are something that your audience might want to think about. Mm-hmm. Let me just add a caveat to that. It's not instant oatmeal. Okay. So Quaker oats, the traditional old-fashioned way, one that you have to cook up in a pot for 20 minutes. You can microwave little... it for three, but yeah. Okay. My wife doesn't particularly. <laughs> she wants it in a pot. Uh, is there a difference between that uh, from a health perspective and the steel-cut uh, oatmeal? It's the degree of, of tumbling and processing. Mm. I think that you can get most of the way there with steel cut or old fashioned. Just the um, the instant has just been cooked already, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to find, especially the instant without flavor. And uh, so you're you're saying it's either the steel cut or the traditional oatmeal, right? That's and cereals, other cereals that have oat added to them are good. Depends. Um, it depends. <laughs> it mainly has to do with uh, how pro- highly processed it is and whether there's added sugar. Uh, the uh, the World Health Organization came out with a sugar recommendation of 30 grams, 30 grams a day. Mm-hmm. It's it's very low. So 30 grams would be how much of a teaspoon? Uh, I believe one teaspoon is four grams, so it's seven teaspoons, if I'm not mistaken. I probably need to double check that. Okay. So in medieval Europe or England, they, they said... They had the equivalent of one tablespoon of sugar per day. Let me put it this way. If you have one can of Coke, yes, you're done. Oh. You're done for the day. Well, That's how much sugar it is. Well, it, I don't drink Coke anymore, so I guess I'm okay. Good for you. Uh, the uh, uh, it's it's. I think for many people, getting rid of the uh, sugar in the drink or something sweet in the drink is very, very hard. Uh, and uh, what happens with sugar and those type of sugary foods is that you get this kind of rebound effect that, right, it goes up and down. And that rebounding- well, I was say high and then crash. That's right. At least that's what happens to me. Right. There's a term, uh, it's called hangry. Have you heard about that? Hangry, no. Yeah, it's hungry and angry at the same time. And that's what happens when you've, you're out of sugar. That's right. We need another hit. Yeah. That's right. Give me a candy bar. I mean, I, I, I can appreciate that. I've I've walked through airports and stopped at the candy counter and picked up a Hershey's or an Almond Joy. Calm me down a lot. <laughs> so before we go, uh, Dr. Shang, uh, are, are there any last pieces of information that you think our listeners should have? Let's see. We talked about fiber. Um, I, I'll leave you with this. This is an interesting story. When I went to medical school, there was a group of Indians in Arizona that called the Pima Indians. And... The Pima Indians were said to have the highest genetic level of type 2 diabetes in the world. And it's about 30%. Wow. And we were taught that it was genetic. Okay. So now that I don't have to necessarily believe everything I'm told, I couldn't research this. And it turns out that the Pima Indians, uh, when they had the settlers move into the area, the settlers diverted the Gila River. Mm -hmm. And the Pima Indians had to change their lifestyle. They were normally eating corn, squash, um, beans. Then they, they nearly starved to death until the U.S. government came in and said, well, don't worry, we'll save you by giving you this food. And it was all pre-processed food. Mm-hmm. And 
So the Pima Indians no longer farmed. They no longer had the daily exertion, and they eat this, they, this. They lost the exercise component. They lost the exercise component, and they got all this food that was packaged mm-hmm. that would last for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so they had this very high level of diabetes by the 1930s. What subsequently was found is that there's another tribe, the Pima Indians, except they're not American. They're Mexican Indian. Okay. Genetically the same. Okay. Except they didn't have that that unfortunate set of events happen to them. So they didn't get the processed food. That's right. They didn't get the processed food. They kept their lifestyle. And their diabetes is a fraction. It's about 5%, not 30%. Hmm. And so I think that's what I want to leave with your listeners is that there are things that you can do. It's lifestyle dependent. It's exercise dependent. These are things that in your power to change at the most basic level that will do much more for you than medication. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a stage in our lives, we're in control of our time. We can control um, our destiny, as it were. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no other better time in our life. We don't have to uh, punch a clock. I, I appreciate that. And again, titles of the two books that are available on Amazon are? Oh, the first program, uh, Fight Insulin Resistance with Strength Training. And the second is The Thin Pre-Diabetic. The Thin the thin. pre diabetic. That's right. Available on Amazon. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Shen, for being with us. Thank you for having me. And let's take a quick break here and listen to a Alzheimer's tip from Dr. Craig Curtis. Dr. Curtis, I've heard that exercise can help your brain. What type of exercises should people be doing? Well, the good news is it doesn't take a lot of heavy exercise to make the brain healthier. Right now, the U.S. government recommends approximately 150 minutes per week, so 30 minutes, five days a week, of a moderate intensity exercise, such as walking. So something as simple as walking, 30 minutes a day, five days a week, can improve your brain health. Dr. Curtis's goal is to educate the village's community on how to live a longer, healthier life. To learn more, visit his website, craigcurtismd.com or call 352-500- 5252 to attend a free seminar. Remember our next episode will be released next Friday at 9 a.m. Should you want to become a major supporter of the show or have questions, please contact us at mike at rothvoice.com. This is a shout out for supporters, Greg Pangian, Tweet Coleman, Dan Capellan, Ed Williams, Alvin Stenzel, and major supporter Dr. Craig Curtis at K2 in the Villages. We will be hearing more from Dr. Curtis with short Alzheimer's tips each week. If you know someone who should be on the show, contact us at mike at rothvoice.com. We thank everyone for listening to the show. The content of the show is copyrighted by Rothvoice 2023. All rights reserved.